GDPR. You heard these words? What's it about? How's it going to impact you? Because big changes are coming. Let's talk GDPR today. Course Reviews Online. We give you honest opinions so you can make better informed decisions for your business. Stay tuned for reviews, discussion, question, guidance, and inspiration. And now your host, known as The Simplifier, Adam Ali. Quick shout out guys here. I want to give a shout out today to ClickFunnels, which is one of my key pieces of software that is probably the backbone of my business in some part, in some way. And why I'm giving a shout out to ClickFunnels is because it creates amazing landing pages within minutes. It's a brilliant course platform. Um, you can host your courses on there. You can host your webinars on there. You can cut, help you collect emails from there. There's so much available on ClickFunnels and it is really a powerful piece of software. I use this also for my clients to help get them leads. I get leads for myself, you know, and it's the best thing about it. It's really simple to use. The customer service is support is brilliant. They've got a group of support and so many great people in there. If you need something of this nature for these type of businesses, for a course platform or for landing pages or to help you to get leads for your clients, this is the one. You don't need to be super technically savvy. It's quite simple to use. You can get a 14-day free trial now, 14-day free trial. If you go to coursereviewsonline.com forward slash CF, coursereviewsonline.com forward slash CF, get your 14-day free trial, check it out, test drive it, see if it's good for you, see if it works. If it's not good, I wouldn't put my name on it. I use it. I've been using it for a couple of years. I've built a lot, a lot of funnels on it. And this um, makes me money, makes my clients money highly recommend this tool that's my shout out for click funnels now let's get on with the show okay let's talk gdpr and what it's about general data protection regulation this is what gdpr stands for now if you're a business whether that's a one person show or a big multinational business these new laws coming into effect on 25th of may will affect you over the coming weeks months and years and this is going to be a big impact on every business globally now we're going to break this all down i've got a gdpr specialist today who i'm interviewing the interview's coming after this and we're going to simplify the whole thing some people are panicking some people are confused some people are thinking is this going to be relevant to me but it is probably going to be relevant to you just listen watch us simplify it we will answer a lot of your questions i'll put the questions to him you know i ask good questions almost a lot of it will be simplified and explained. If you have any further questions, you can reach out to us. So without further ado, I'm going to sit back and let you listen to the GDPR expert who I interviewed today. And I hope the information, and I'm sure, will be very, very valuable. So without much further ado, let me start the interview. Um, Ahmed, rather than um, thank you for your time, firstly. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. And um, there's been a lot of debate about this subject we're going to talk about today. So hopefully you're the specialist. Do you want to introduce yourself first and uh, who you work for, what you do? Yeah, sure. So for the last 10 or so years, I worked largely in banking and consulting, uh, largely working around data governance, reporting, uh, setting up processes, documenting, that type of stuff. I've largely worked the last few years working in large data, looking after large data teams. And the last two and a half years or so, I worked with three different multinationals on working with them to get themselves GDPR compliant. Uh, most recently, I worked with uh, KPMG, the, uh, one of the big four consulting firms as well. Okay, <clears throat> so you work with some uh, household names. Okay, um, the reason I brought you on today was because there's a lot of talk um, about GDPR um, all over the place, especially... Um, like a lot of forums and groups that I'm in, especially on Facebook and online marketers. Um, but some people are clueless. Some people are getting frightened. Some people know part of the information. Some people are getting worried because the deadline's coming. Sure. So um, a few people asked me and um, I thought it would be ben highly beneficial in this time for um, somebody, an expert, to come up and like answer questions, clarify the issues, hopefully sure. put, put people at ease. So um, that's why <coughs> you're here. So I appreciate that. 
what I would do is um, I will just have like a discussion and let's let's see um, if you can help shed some light on the subject. Firstly, do you want to just um, explain a bit like GDPR, the background and data and so on and so forth, so it brings anybody who doesn't really know what it is up to speed? Sure. <clears throat> so the General Data Protection Regulation uh, comes into play on May 25th, 2018. Now, <clears throat> question for you. Do you shop online? Yeah. Do you, obviously, you have, a, you have a bank account. Yeah. Uh, do you receive online marketing information? Yeah, all kinds, all kinds. That's right. Now, the reality is the world in which you live in today is completely different from what it was 10 years ago. We now send out emails as opposed to sending out letters. It's completely different. Now, all of our personal information, our name, email address, so-called account numbers, our preferences, they're with these companies. They hold all this information on you. They're held with their databases. Now, we give out that information without a second thought. It's just... This generation is normal to give out your personal information and not worry about it at all. But the reality is, is that your personal information means something to someone else and is of some value. Yeah. So what the EU have done is come out with a new regulation that allows individuals, they subject yourself to myself, to take back some control of their personal data. So it's on the companies that hold your personal information to make sure there's certain protections around it. But above all, you as an individual now have great control of what you do with that information. So you can go to a company and one new aspect of the regulation that wasn't there before is something called a data subject access request. It's the uh, right to access. So you can go to <coughs> your bank, and let's say your bank is Barclays Bank, and you've had a relationship with them for, let's say, 15, 20 years, and you know they send you marketing information and anything else, you can then request them to provide you all the information they have uh, of you uh, within 30 days, and you have, they have to provide information for free. Now, this, isn't, this doesn't just apply to big multinationals. It applies to small, medium-sized firms as well. You can go to your dentist, you can go to your life coach, you can go to any form of business, any retailer, which you know has your personal information, and you could actually request that information, and they have to give that information to you within 30 days. Now, if, and this is just one aspect of it, if you don't comply with the regulation, you could be hit with a 4% fine based off the turnover of your company. So if you're making, let's just say, a million pounds a year, which is a fair bit of money to turnover, global turnover that is, and you get hit with £40,000, which that's money you can't necessarily invest in. You won't be able to reinvest into your business. But what people assume is that the fines can only come, well, the fine can only come from the ICO, which is the regulator, but actually, let's just say I request information from my life coach and he doesn't provide information back to me within 30 days, and let's say I get the ball rolling with the ICO to investigate him or her, I can now also claim compensation from the life code as well. It's not just the regulators, also individuals can claim compensation. So the right to access is one of the big ones in terms of what people will be doing. And you begin to kind of see uh, <coughs> not just the data subject access requests, but also in the news you begin to see, if you notice, uh, people talking about GDPR, you're talking about Cambridge Analytica, you're talking about Facebook, all the things that's happened recently. And you're going to begin to see more and more of it online and more of the major companies and major news outlets talking about it because there's going to be a greater focus on GDPR over the next few months. Okay. Um, what does GDPR stand for, actually? <coughs> Sorry. GDPR stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. Okay. Sorry, I just like to break it all down. Uh, so, no, no, no. Do you know, coming back to, um, so just to clear, I, I, I know a little bit, but I don't know much, but I'm just double checking this out. So this is for all of Europe. Is this all of Europe? Okay, so it applies to everyone within the EU, but also if you are, let's say, a US company and you are processing, uh, an processing information from an EU individual, you also fall in scope. Which basically means that the vast majority of companies in the world will be 
impacted by this. You can go countries like China now, looking to possibly uh, have some form of their own version of GDPR come into place as well. And there's obviously minor problems in the US as well. So this is this is something that's pretty much worldwide as well. But it's an EU regulation specifically. So if you if your business operates in uh, if your business operates in the EU or if you're an EU yourself and you're a yeah. business person with your business, or if you're in out of EU but you've got client based customers in EU, this will apply to yourself. Exactly, okay. that's correct. Yeah. And the purpose is to try and give more control to the consumer, the clients, over how their data is handled and yes. they've got influence over it. Okay. And do you know, why has this come about? What's the reason behind it? Is there like a particular reason this happened or is it just like it's been like a lot of stories going on about data st- storage and stolen and all this stuff? Well, again, you hit the nail on the head. So a lot of things, obviously, again, the, the, the digital world in which we live in is completely different from what it was 20 years ago. So, you know, we need to make sure the regulations are in line with the current climate. And today's climate is a lot of information is not kept on hard copies. Information can be easily stolen. Uh, I think a few months ago, there was a, a brief within by Talk Talk, the internet company, uh, and I don't know how many people's information was actually stolen. But it's not something that uh, came from nowhere. They've been working a good, for a good few years. And I think the, the viewpoint is that we need to make sure that the regulation is in line with today's environment and okay. about protecting individuals and protecting the information. Information has a value to it now. Okay. And do you know, um, I've previously like run um, call centers and I used to do this thing called PPI. And we used to, on behalf of the customers, we used to do a thing called a SAR request, a subject access request to yeah. the banks and get all the information about the customer to verify if they had PPI on their loans or whatever, we used to pay £10 for that information. Yeah, I think you can pay £1 for like a trimmed-down version of it, and I think £10 for everything. Um, but, but when you were saying about the access, is that the same information that now is free? Same information now is free, and they can uh, provide a digital uh, copy if you ask for it as well. So it's, it's you're, you're going to definitely see... Again, whether small, medium, or large firms, not just the large firms, people are going to be more and more aware of their personal information, and they want to know, well, what are you doing with my information? Are you selling my information? Are you processing my information? Okay. Because of that, if you're a company that you have 10,000 customers on your database, and let's just say even 10% where you come and ask for their personal information, you should really have a procedure in place to basically respond to that as well. So it's you're going to, without a shadow of a doubt, after May 25th, expect the real sun moving and it's going to be a snowball event. So say, for example, um, I'm, I'm just because of the because of the answer you've given, I'm just jumping this like a bit of a, a bit ahead. Say for like, um, okay, you got, you're in a big company like Barclays Bank. Someone puts a um, data request in. What's the proper term? Is it the still subject access request? Data subject access request. So data subject access request. And they will give you all of the information that they've, like if I write off to say, I don't know, um, HSBC Bank and say, I want to do a data subject access request. And then in 30 days, I have seen these previously in my previous business they'll have to give all the information they've got on myself. Some of them I've seen like boxes and thick piles. But, okay, that's for the big companies who can afford, like you're a consultant for KPMG, you can advise them, they put procedures, they've got a lot of money. What about like the small businesses? For example, like say you've got a coach, like a fitness coach who captures people's emails. Like what, is, is he, does he have to physically print and send the information to the consumer or just... If you are... Anybody, uh, if you're a business that holds any form of personal information on individuals and you collect it, whether it is in a structured sense, in a database, or even if it's kept in your email, in your shared drives, and if I wish to request that information, I have the right to receive that information and you have to comply. It doesn't matter how big or small you are, if you are processing large amounts of personal information and you hold that information, I have the, uh, I have the right to now, if you are somebody that just look at my name and email address, and that's all the information you have, great. But the question is, if I ask you what else you're doing with it, you have to provide that information as well. So if I was a fitness coach and I give you a free ebook, 
okay, um, to get on my email list on my newsletter. And then the, the email list was like six tips on how to lose weight. And yeah. you put your email address in. There's some other sections to us, but I'll come back to that. And then you say a month down the line, you email me and I'll send you four emails during the month, one a week, about some extra stuff. And you got a free PDF. That's why you gave me your email address and name. And then you say to me, you say, I want to do a subject access request. Do you just email and ask me that? And then do I, can I just send you an email and say, um, Ahmed, I've got your details with um, Aweber email service. And I've just got your name and, th and so on and so forth. Name and um, email address. And I just sent, I've sent you four emails. There's nothing else I'm doing. It. Would that be enough? Okay, so... Um, but if, if, if I replied via email to you, would that be enough? Would that, would that fill that request? Well, you would need to respond within 30 days. And then if I ask for the specific information you sent over to me, that's one thing you, you'll need to provide. But also, if that's the only thing you've done with my information, you haven't sold the information, you haven't done any form of targeting marketing, uh, anything like that, then that's all the information that you have on me, that's all the thing you've ever done with my information, then that's the information you need to provide, yes. Okay, so if I so if I've took your email, and because uh, I know a lot of marketers are going to watch this, um, yeah. uh, on, online marketers, so really, and I could just type the response out myself. There's no official document I need to fill out that this is what I've done, this is not done. I could just say, look, I've got your, and if I say I used your email to do some retargeting email, whether that's Facebook or Google or thingy, I would say, I used on this campaign, additionally, I did a retargeting. Would I have to go and all the spec of the, of the advertising? Here's the way it gets a bit different now. And it's not as simple. So that's a data subject access request. And that's on the assumption that <coughs> everything that you have uh, sent me from, let's say, the first email uh, and the second and third, I have explicitly consented to it. Right? So let's just say, again, uh, a life coach. I signed up to my life coach three years ago. Now, if he now wants to, after May 25th, send me information and tries to uh, sell me some products or tries to opt me into certain things, it's not a case of just because I signed up to him three years ago, he has the right to do the same thing with my information. It's completely different now. Now, it's explicit uh, consent. You need to provide explicit consent uh, I provide explicit consent to the company, to, to my life coach, to say you can now process my information for this specific thing. It doesn't apply to everything. So just because <coughs> I agree to the newsletter, let's just say, it doesn't mean you can start selling me uh, information, let's say, let's say a mobile or an, any other service. It has to be specific for that information. And it's not a case anymore of um, you can send a pre picked box there has to be, I believe it's called uh, a double-click uh, rule. So not only do they have to click on the consent, but also they have to then confirm it via email as well. Is that right? double opt-in? Oh, sorry? Double opt-in. Double opt-in, that's right. Is that compulsory now, is it? Yes. And that's what it's, this is what a lot of people don't realize is that you need to have that process in place. It's not, you, yes, you can just have this... Um, you can do things manually, but to do things properly, you want to have policies and procedures in place, right? And the reason for that is, let's just say with my life coach, and I guarantee you this will happen because the same thing happened with BBI, people will start claiming because they think they can claim, right? And what will happen is, I will say to my life coach, well, you have my information, and I never agree to this. Well, <clears throat> if you're the life coach, and you've gone through the proper procedure, and you've got explicit consent, you have an audit trail that proves that I've actually signed in an opt-in, sorry, for this particular information. <coughs> sorry. And that's why it's fundamental for uh, marketeers actually have that in place. And, okay, so say someone's got an email list of, say, a thousand people. They've collected it over the year by giving a free goodie, and then they just sporadically email normal stuff and every yeah. now and again they maybe pitch a product say if it's in a field of fitness let's just stick with the fitness team say a guy call him joe blogs fitness guy he's collected a thousand emails over the last six months and he would give a free fitness ebook and then and then he was like sending emails about more fitness tips and maybe 
he pitched a product or a course or something of his own where he exchanged for money. He said he can buy this. Some bought, some didn't. Now, going forward, does he have to now, after 25th of um, May, email his European clientele and email his European clientele that, do you still want to stay on this list? And then if they say yes, then he can continue emailing them. If they don't respond, he can't email them. Okay, so, if he wants to send a particular product or service, right, he needs to basically do pretty much two things. Update his privacy notice, right, uh, and make sure that it's clear what he will be doing with the information and how he processes the information. And yes, he will need them to opt in to... Um, in up into any form of a further uh, marketing. Probably a really bad call. <coughs> so they just need to, uh, they actually need to have that, that in place, regardless. So say that, I thought, if he sends it, so if he said, if he, if he does not get consent, he can't send any more newsletters to his list. Well, you can send information to them, right, and allow them, so let's just say, um, there's a newsletter, a new newsletter, and it's for, um, how to get a six-pack, right? You can send them a request for that information, right? But that's as far as you can do. You can't do anything else with that information. And it's down to them. So let's say there's a product at the end of that uh, the whole uh, marketing process. They need to have, uh, they need to buy consent uh, if, they want, if they're looking to sell that product to somebody. If it's just general information, you can, <coughs> but is advising you make sure your privacy policy is up to date and that if you're looking to uh, sell a product or provide any additional information going forward on that matter, then consent is needed. Okay. So they can continue to send emails for <laughs> if somebody's opted in six months ago, they can continue to send newsletters what, and stuff like that. If they opt in for that particular newsletter, right? Okay. Uh, but again, the first thing I would say, update your privacy policy. And then, when it comes to your, uh, let's say, a new newsletter with new information, then they have to opt in for that. So, if, let's say it's something uh, new going forward, then have the consent for it. When you say new, like, but like, they've been getting a newsletter every week for the last six months, and they're just going to send them more newsletters. Is that that's okay to continue? But as long as the privacy policy has changed. Yeah. So, update the privacy policy. Advice is to also get consent as well for best practice. But if it's the same type of information and it's all health related, it's fine. But then <coughs> the worry you'll have is is that if the if the client will say, well, actually, I never agreed to this, you then need to prove that you've got consent for that. So the best thing to do is that you gain consent. That's the best thing to do. Okay. <clears throat> though it won't be the biggest issue, arguably, uh, to actually continue sending them information, providing that that's, uh, that's the privacy note is actually in place and they're aware of it as well. Okay. So, say if someone's got a, a 10,000 email list, they've paid for, they've done a subscription, when they go to try to get all these new rules in place, they're going to lose the vast majority of their list now. And unfortunately, that is part of what's going to happen. Uh, again, whether it's a small company with 1,000, 10,000 <coughs> clients or multinationals. I've seen the big company, they're saying, listen, we've got to be careful now on how we actually do any form of direct marketing. You know, it's okay to keep, to keep certain bits of information. So <coughs> you name an email address, that kind of thing that's kind of acceptable. Hence why we say you can't, you can't send those emails out to them. But then if you've got like bank details, you've got personal information about them, uh, their age, their, their date of birth, where they're from, that's additional information they haven't consented to. So name and email address, <coughs> some of the basic information, both personal, basically additional information you really want to get consent on. Okay. So it really depends what kind of service you're offering. If you're like taking payment, credit card payments, uh, addresses, then it's going to get more complex. But more complex, yeah. So name and address is still personal information. <clears throat> so under the new GDPR regulation, I as an individual, uh, under my new rights, I can say to you, uh, I want the, the right to be forgotten. So you have to basically remove all my information from you. 
I may also say to you, uh, go to your um, health example as a personal trainer. I have got um, my history of my personal training, really, right? So my weight, for example, um, uh, how I basically change over time, maybe some additional information about me and my family and blah, blah, blah. Let's say for whatever reason you've got that information, I now have the right to tell you, you have the, the right portability, which is you now need to move, move my information from this coach to this other coach. And you have to comply with that information as well. It, 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 it's quite... When you start, I can say with you some more, but there's a lot to it in terms of what needs to be done uh, by, by, by the companies. Okay, interesting. And also, when you're collecting information, this is like once you, this is the information that you've got and what you do with it under data subject access request, people can request information. Sure. The more information you hold, the more complex it's becoming. What about when you collect the information, like a typical on a website to have a um, on a landing page to have again fitness example get your free um, fitness guide insert your name and email address how does it impact when you get the information I believe you you have to probably make some kind of statements or something or um, declaration what's going on yeah so you know within the opt-in yeah uh, for some companies I've looked at previously uh, they, they have pre-tick boxes right uh, you can't do that the person has to physically click I opt in, and then I agree with your, your policies and procedures. Obviously, have a privacy statement there as well. That's also GDPR compliant. So that's what really should be in place for companies, particularly marketers who uh, have the type of landing pages to collect that type of information as well. So, say you know, like a landing page, like normally the marketers they don't have a tick box there. The ones I know, they'll have like name, email address, and they'll have a button. Get your free guide. So, what would happen now? Like, would they have like a disclaimer underneath that? Yeah. Yep, so you'd have to uh, have a tick box. You have to explicitly you have, have to a have tick, tick box. box. Sorry? You have to have a tick box now. Yes. <laughs> you have to explicitly tick and agree to it. Um, but you also need, again, yeah, to confirm via email as well. So like, so how it would change now is you'd have, um, at the top you'd say, um, get your free guide for six health tips. I'm just I'm just spelling this out so the people out there no, can no, 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 no. And then they said name, email address, and then there was a, um, a button there that says send it. Then underneath you had a tick box which is unticked, and that tick box could say uh, I agree with the terms. And then below that, the terms could be like for a fitness guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would be like um, you agree to um, give us your details in yeah. exchange for our guide. And yeah. um, for the future newsletters, yeah. and then another comma, maybe um, from time to time, we may send you promotions or affiliate promotions to sell, and you agree to this, and then, is that right? Almost. So, here's the thing. If it's the same type of products and services, so for example, if, for example, uh, I'm selling you uh, the health fitness stuff initially, right, and I opt in for that amazing six-pack, let's just say. But then uh, that same coach is trying to sell me a drink, right? Uh, a health drink. Well, no, I need to have you need to have uh, consent, explicit consent given that I want information on that health drink. It has to be specific to that area uh, of what uh, consent is given for. I give consent to get that newsletter and that information on the six pack. I never gave consent for you sending me information on that health drink, right? So you have to be explicit consent. Okay. What you receive. But say, for example, you got a health coach. Mm. He does not know what he's going to exactly sell. He may, he may not even have a course or program to sell you right now. And he may just be collecting the emails for this guide, sending you newsletter emails. And then at some stage, he's going to want to say, he may produce his own course or he may recommend a, a fitness product from Amazon. Say, have a look at this. And... You don't like. How would we overcome this? You, 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 you don't know. Somebody may come along and say, "You've got a big list. I've got this really good home stomach gym equipment that is really good. You want to recommend it? I'll give you commission." You don't even know some of the products you're going to sell, but it's going to be health and fitness related. Is there a way to? Is there a way to um, safeguard yourself in this initial acceptance to against that? 
again, I'll, I'll try to make, I'll try to cast the net as wide as possible, right? And again, it goes down to what you're, what you're trying to gain consent from or for, sorry. So if you're saying that look, we're look, we're looking to sell you uh, product and services in this particular area and make it as wide as possible, you probably will probably get away with it. But then again, it's making sure the consent is actually given, right? So I'll cast the net as wide as possible, right? It has to be remotely related. You can't do two completely different things um, uh, based on what you said. So again, as I said, if the writing said, I will give explicit consent for the six-pack newsletter, and only that, that's all the information you should only be really processing my personal information on. <coughs> if, however, you cast the net a lot wider and anything health-related matter and say, we will sell you for push forward uh, marketing information on drinks, new letters on getting a six pack and anything, anything else, then I'm pretty sure you'll be fine from that perspective. Okay. Um, and then is there any, and then when they email in, so it has to be double opt-in email. So then they will get an email to say, confirm you yes. want to be opted in and then yeah. they confirm it. Then you're allowed to send them. Yes, then exactly that. And then is there anything else beyond that, like on this example that needs to be done? So from a consent perspective, you're generally all right from then on. It's just the things that before then, actually even during then, what type of things, and again, even as a marketing company, what type of things do you actually want to have in place, God forbid, were, were the regulator to ever come, come, come for you, right? Okay, the consent is a big thing, particularly for the marketing businesses, particularly uh, the online businesses as well. But then it's about if, for example, the regulator were, was to come to you, uh, you with your your online businesses or friends or family that have online businesses, do you know what's one of the first things that the regulator could ask for? No. Okay. So a lot of people don't know this. And <laughs> the first, probably the main thing they'll ask for from you is... Uh, with, uh, your records of processing. It's Article 30 in GDPR regulation. Now, the record of processing is a list of all your processes that you actually run. So you're a marketer and you run four or five different processes on a monthly basis. So those regular newsletters, the regular bits of information, or whatever they may be, you need to have that documented in a single document. Uh, and it's, the, it's called the Article 30 document. You find it on the ICO website as well. And within that document, you need to specify what type of personal information you hold in the individual. So, <clears throat> a lot of marketers, it may just be your name and email address, and that's fine. But some marketers may ask for your address. They may ask uh, for something called special categories. They might ask for your race, religion, uh, your sexual preferences, whether you're a member of a trade union, uh, your political opinions. All that information needs to actually be in that central document. And you need to have that in place. And I can't stress that enough to companies, small, medium, or large, have your records of process in place. The reason I say that is it's a quick win. And you at least know, and you've done an audit, of what type of personal information you actually have in place. Uh, and though I would recommend having professional information as well with you, but... It's a quick win, and it's fundamental you actually have this as well. Okay. And again, in this example of the fitness process that we've said, a fitness coach is going to send a free guide, give newsletters, and he may recommend some fitness products. Mm -hmm. And then what would be his, what was this called again? Something what process? So records of processes. So what would be a record of process in this situation? Like what? So example, that, let's call that one process, uh, call it the newsletter process. Let's just say, just even it's that, that one process that you run every week, and it's the same process, and the same information, have that in your document. Just saying right? that, what, what would you put in that document? Like, I, I collect name and email for in exchange for this, and I send a newsletter every week. So you need to uh, have the name of the process, whatever you want to call it, within you can call it the newsletter process. You will basically list all the different types of uh, personal information you actually hold within that process, right? But you also need to provide what's the reason you have the information and how consent was actually given. Okay. 
right? So that's all in one document. Um, so a marketing individual will do the same thing every week, right? <coughs> and only does that, that's just one processing document. But then the second they start talking about um, how they set up, let's say they start selling a product, right? And it's uh, one product, uh, another product that they sell as information, that's another process from start to finish that needs to be documented as well as a process. Now, what I would recommend, uh, and again, it, it may seem like a, a cost now, but it's worthwhile having, is to also document the process as a process flow from start to finish, just for best practice. That, that process, Article 30, is the fundamental. The process document from start to finish is, uh, I would strongly recommend it as well. Okay. So then you would make a process for the sales process, like you'll call that <coughs> health selling process and just yeah. explain what goes on there. Yes. From start to finish. Well, you use a bunch of visitors the document process from start to finish. And we use <coughs> the bond what I found with the companies I've worked on GDPR and even other data related things that I've done. Is the second you start actually documenting the process from start to finish, you realize actually what you thought <coughs> where you thought the integration starts and finish isn't actually where it starts and finish. It actually goes in different places. It goes to different, different databases which you completely forgot and weren't aware of. So my financial information may go somewhere else. Uh, it may go via WorldPay, for example, the payment processing company, whilst uh, the sales information invoice may actually go within the database that you actually hold as well. So it's important and it's worthwhile documenting that process from start to finish just so you're aware of it as well. And the reason I say that <coughs> is because obviously the big firms, excuse me, I'm having a Theresa May moment right now. <coughs> so the reason I say that is because obviously the likes of WorldPay, uh, Barclay Card, they'll obviously be update, they'll update their, um, their processes, their, uh, their privacy statements. But if you're working with a small company as well, and for whatever reason you send them in, send them on information, you want to make sure that they're actually GDPR compliant. <coughs> and I won't be surprised that as far as the new rules as things go forward, <coughs> if you want to work with certain other companies, they will want you to also be GDPR compliant as well. So it's not just for the sake of you know, the, the, the 1,000, 10,000 customers you've got on your database, it's potential other business that you may actually want to be uh, engaging with as well. Got you. So these processes, you can just put them on a Word document, Google document, and, and save so, them. Pardon? So there's um, an Article 30 document you can find on the ICO website. Um, <coughs> that document, uh, it's, a, it's a very big template that you can actually use and actually put all your information in. But again, I recommend having somebody who's gone through the document before walk you through it as well uh, if need be. And you just save that on your local computer? You can save it on your local computer as well. You've got that covered. Anything else they need to do apart from the processes? That's just one aspect of it. This is the thing. It's not as... Uh, that's the, that's a, what I would call a kind of a quick win. Fairly straightforward, um, but it's a quick win. So other things. So for example, uh, having all your DSAR processes in place. So as I said, uh, right to access to our information, you have a process actually in place. Uh, if there's a breach of your information, so let's say someone hacks into uh, a server with all the information, <coughs> you have to tell me that my information has been breached within 72 hours. Um, as I mentioned, uh, right to be forgotten, have that process in place as well. So if I want my information removed, you can, uh, I can. If, for example, uh, I bank with Barclays Bank, and I think with a well, you keep my personal information, obviously you're the bank I bank with, <coughs> but I want you to stop sending me marketing information. You have to comply with that as well. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, so there are the data subject access request processes that should be in place. <coughs> obviously I mentioned privacy policies, making sure they're updated as well. There's going to be a big thing around uh, unstructured data. So, a marketer, <coughs> go back to the uh, fitness example. <coughs> they have their data. Mm -hmm. 
in such data, such updating databases, a whole database, CRM system with all the information. Unstructured data is data that's not actually kept in databases. So it's things within your shared drives, on your computer, your inbox. That's unstructured data. What people don't realize is that information needs to also um, be looked at and because that information will need to be provided if requested by the <coughs> data center access request. So it's advised that you have retention schedules in place. The retention schedules are how long do you actually how long do you actually keep pertinent information uh, or, or within your system. The major companies use it for seven years, <coughs> generally, as a rule of thumb. But my suggestion is only have information for as long as you actually need it, right? Uh, and only have the bare information you actually need. A good question to pose to yourself is. <laughs> if I was standing in front of this individual, would they be comfortable having information? Would they come, be comfortable with me having all this information on them? <coughs> and the answer is no. <coughs> that's the case, then you shouldn't actually hold that information from them as well. So, looking at unstructured data, removing information you actually need, minimizing the amount of information you actually use. And another big thing I would strongly recommend as well. And actually, is needed for a company that process large information, and that's a data privacy officer. <coughs> and privacy privacy officer is essentially act as your guide on anything, any um, data privacy related matters. So uh, they all space off to the ICO if they if they were you have to be investigated, provide training to your staff, uh, and essentially just keep up to date with all privacy related matters. But unfortunately, it's not just like a you know a quick things you just quickly completely do within a day, it'll take some time to actually make yourself uh, compliant. Uh, companies I work with, mm. some, again, fair enough, they are the big ones are multinational two and a half years ago. But if you begin to look online, smaller media firms now start to look. Um, I've heard of people actually receive letters in their posts saying uh, GDPR officer is likely to be coming to your, to your premise to talk to you about uh, whether or not you're compliant with GDPR. So it's not going to be uh, a quick win. You need to have the policies and procedures in place as soon as possible. And the data privacy officer, is that only for a certain size of organization? So, depends how you interpret it. Essentially, if you're a company that processes large amounts of personal information, uh, it says you, you should have a data privacy officer uh, in place. Now, what you could probably do is <coughs> users like myself or other people can actually provide that privacy officer uh, position for you and uh, provide you with that training, provide you with information that you need. Uh, again, depending on the size of the <coughs> company, you, know, you may need uh, training requirements for your staff to make sure they're all up to date with GDPR. And you want to do that, again, from a reputational perspective as well. Uh, but I think, again, the bigger thing is is that you want to avoid being in situations where you're spending more money on you know, legal fees, um, you know, dealing with the ICO, because having that privacy office, having that expert in place, will stop the, the ICO knocking on your door, because you have somebody in place, an expert in that particular area as well. Okay, and do you know the, like, the ICO is, is this because I've dealt with the ICO previously um, sure. but again call center business and data protection and previous companies I've done work in is, it, is, that, is ICO just UK based or is that a European company now because I, I, I know it had its address in things so people who are in other countries in Europe have they got a will they have an equivalent body ICO by the way for the people who are watching or listening this is information commissioner's office do you know much about that? Let me come back to you on that one. I believe it's a European Union-based organization, but obviously within each region, within each state within the EU, they have their own um, specific things uh, related to their particular country. Let me come back to you on that one. I'm pretty sure... 
I'm pretty sure, sorry, let me start myself. I'm pretty sure it's uh, a UK-based organization. I think it's tend to have their own individual uh, bodies as well. Because um, I used to previously get um, ICO registered. It was £35. You could do it yeah. online. You get it done straight away. But that's not... People don't need to get ICO registered like in, in marketers, okay? So, but what about things like privacy policies for this and stuff like <coughs> this? Is there any templates or documentation of this available anywhere? So people could like... How are people going to just turn up? Some people are out there thinking, Adam, what the hell is a privacy policy? Where, where do I get one from? How do I type one up? So I, I would speak to somebody like myself or other people who actually work in the GDPR field to support you like providing that privacy policy to you. <clears throat> it is fundamental that you have that in place. Now, you can use, I'm sure you can steal one from another website, uh, but then the question is that actually specific to your business. Are you actually doing more or less? So, for example, if, if, for example, you steal one from another business and it's got this privacy statement and someone wants to actually read it, it, they may actually be put off because you're actually saying, we're going to process all this information on me, but actually, you're only going to process this and this of information. So, it's better to have somebody who knows what they're talking about on privacy statements as something specific to your business as well. So, you know, like, like privacy policy, like, Say for example again, this fitness expert. Like, what would a privacy policy be on that? Like, people put these on their websites. So would that be something like we collect your data, we save it, and just to let you know what we do with your data, we're collecting your name, email address, for the purposes of uh, a newsletter um, and following on newsletters and possible potential promotional material within the health industry, and we will keep this on your on our email autoresponder, and that's the only place we'll keep it. Is that yeah? There's more to it, and I can share probably a couple of examples on your uh, Facebook page as well, because of uh, other information they actually have in it as well. But it needs to be clearly stated where, what the information is being used for, how it's being used, where it's actually being stored as well, uh, what protection you actually have in place, and you know, <coughs> saying things like, we're ensure that your information is not sold, again, if you don't intend to uh, sell the information as well. But to clearly state that exactly, <coughs> what the information is actually going to be used for. Okay. Uh, just for the um, listeners and just for the, the people who are watching this in this discussion interview, um, this video is in the Facebook group. you got any questions, you can put them under the video and uh, Amir will you'll, you'll, you'll provide answers if people don't understand anything. Is that okay? Absolutely. No problem whatsoever. Thank you. Thank you. And is there... What about people in the US? They may be thinking... Oh, I can't be bothered with all this European stuff. I'm just going to continue my business. Majority of my customers are in, are based in um, in US. Some of them maybe follow me on Facebook or come across me in Europe and they opt in. But uh, you know, I don't know this ICO. There's no ICO in America. Or GDPR really going to contact me from Europe all the way to US? And they think oh, I can't be bothered to deal with this. What's your opinion on that? So this is an interesting one because look from two perspectives. Now the ICO. Uh, it's going to be growing in size. Uh, when now, when they start dishing out fines to companies, they're going to be able to keep some of that money for themselves. They're going to, go, they're going to be growing naturally themselves as well. Now, in terms of uh, one thing, again, people forget is that you as an individual can actually also claim compensation from the company yourself as well. And <clears throat> in terms of a UK, let's say a UK individual. Uh, putting in uh, a claim against a foreign international company. Theoretically, it's possible. Um, but from the US customer perspective, do you really want the hassle and the aggravation to go through any form of litigation from another country? Do you really want to pay legal fees? Instead, you just make sure you're compliant because you actually hold EU individual information as well. On top of that, you're seeing it again, but now with Facebook and with Apple Cambridge Analytica, though they said they're focusing largely on European uh, client, uh, European customers and UK clients, this thing is going to eventually go towards the US and they're going to have their own type of regulation as well because they need people want to protect, have their information protected as well. So it may not happen today, uh, or 25th of May, but expect it to come because it'll, it'll impact all, all companies. 
Okay. And maybe it can be low in fat in some shape or form as well. Okay. Another question is, do people need, like I heard, every six months, do the subscribers have to re-opt in or not? No, so once you've opt-in for, for a specific request, then they're in, right? There is something every six months that you should do, but again, depends on the size of the organization. So you need to do something called an application access review. So let's just say you're a company of 20 people, it's a very small firm, and uh, that company processes personal information. It can be a marketing company, it can be a coaching business, it can be anything. <coughs> but it processes personal information. It's advised every six months that you review who has access to that personal information. So should all 20 members of that team have access to that personal information? Actually, only 10 need it. The other 10 will actually need that information. So that's good practice, again, from a company perspective to make sure not only certain individuals have access to personal information. <coughs> and the reason I say that is because, uh, if again, the ICO would ever investigate you, you can say you put controls in place to stop personal information being shared across the organization for everybody and you've limited where information has actually where information is being used and seen in process. Got you. Okay, that clears it up. So, but you don't need because I heard somebody mention every six months you've got to get re-opted in. That's not the case. Once somebody op opts in properly, officially, until yes. they unsubscribe or the right to be forgotten, they tell you you can more you can you can send them information what they opted in for. Yes. For Explicit. Said, yeah. Okay. Any. Thing, do you know what it is? I'm trying to actually keep this a bit simple actually having this discussion because I know majority of people who are going to watch this are going to be like sort of like the uh, <coughs> online marketers who don't really going to collect a lot of information. Is there many other things that they need to consider or we covered a lot of it there? Have we... we covered a lot of it. So in terms of having a list of your processes, I strongly advise having your list of processes documented. You know, if there's one thing I would say from, from this conversation is have a list of all your processes documented, ideally with an Article 30 format as well, because that's probably the first thing that the regulator is going to ask for. <coughs> I would strongly advise, not as strongly advise in terms of having a list, to have your processes documented from start to finish. Know where your personal information is. Um, <coughs> also have policies and procedures in place on how to deal with your data subject access as well. Just because the day you had zero requests for personal information uh, come through, do not be surprised, we're gonna see a snowball effect, right? One of the companies I worked for, they were averaging one request uh, a day uh, for the last probably about six to nine months. Now they get about 10 or 15, they're already struggling. That's a big organization, right? So do not, ex do expect that people, as they become more and more educated on their personal information, and they're seeing, and you've probably seen it yourself, the question is, have you received emails over the last few weeks and months from companies saying, uh, please see our new privacy notice, please opt in? Have you seen anything like mm -hmm. that company? Yeah. How? Uh -huh. <coughs> and it's not just the big companies. It's the small, small and medium companies as well because they're aware of it. Uh, my wife um, uh, offered a catalog from a company she's never actually uh, shot from before. A catalog came in the, in the post, this is a very small boutique company, uh, and it came with a privacy notice. So it's not just the big firms, it's the small, very small firms as well, uh, that actually are being made, made aware of GDPR as well. And, sorry, and the privacy notice, does that need to be on your website before even people like, yes. opt in anything? It just needs to be there? Have, have it on your website. You need to have it on your website. It has to be clearly stated. Okay, and another, this is another question. Sometimes I feel, and a few people message me, asking me advice on GDPR. This is the reason I've got your number, thanks. And okay. the thing is, um, do you think like some like lawyers, solicitors, they're going to be taking advantage of this situation, as in like over-glorifying and horrifying this whole situation, you need our services, we got to do this, we got because when I spoke to you today, it's like, for a lot of marketers, I know they're going to be watching this, they're going to be thinking, Adam has just simplified it, Ahmed just simplified it, I need to get this done, 
maybe I might need some help like I'll I'll change my landing page I'll put the tick box in I'll put the disclaimer in what they're agreeing to explicitly for these things try to make the net a bit wider and maybe I might get stuck on the privacy policy I may reach out to Amir or I might get some guidance or help or spend a full day writing the privacy policy out have a look at a few if they go to a lawyer if I go to a lawyer and um, I like to think I'm street smart okay <laughs> but like they're gonna I've got a feeling they're gonna try to horrify me you need to do this you need to do this and maybe maybe over over protect me to make to to make me part with money and use their services do you think that's gonna happen well, you, you do see it happen. You do see charlatans out there uh, really do scaring people. Now, that fear, yeah, there's a monetary aspect to it for certain uh, companies individuals, but the threat is real in the sense that you need to have these policies and procedures in place. Now, the extent to which you should have them is kind of another question. Which is why I say, as a minimum, please have your records of processing in place as a bare minimum because it's a quick win. <clears throat> and as I said, I strongly advise documenting your process from start to finish. <clears throat> is that documentation from start to finish a, a must? No, it's not. So what I want to make it clear, it's not a must, but strongly advised as well. Now, those uh, law firms, I would question their track record, where they actually done it. Have they actually gone about actually implementing GDPR? So I worked in three firms in GDPR myself. What's their track record on it? But then <coughs> don't just listen to myself or the law firm. Listen to a wide range of different people and find out what actually needs to be done and what actually makes sense. Actually do some research yourself as well. Don't fall for... <coughs> excuse me. Don't... Uh, this is actually the first person always do your research and that's my advice to anybody as well. But then also GDPR is very much a common sense and I hope I'll try to speak as much common sense as possible as well. It's common sense things you should be doing as well, right? Uh, you know, spending tens of thousands of pounds on a new application, no, you don't necessarily need to do that. You'd have controls. If you can't afford tens of thousands of pounds in your application, you have controls around, as I said to you, about who has access to the information. And prove to the ICO that you're taking steps to make sure you're going to be compliant. Now, on, on the 25th of May 2018, the regulations in place, you can't say, well, no, I haven't done anything, uh, give us some time. No, you should have something in place. Because I say, get the ball rolling, start off with Article 30, start doing the other things as well. If the regulator was ever come to you, investigate you, you can say, look, this is the list of all the things that I plan to do, and this is why I plan to do it. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's not too late but it's a good idea to have a plan in place at a bare minimum to show the regulator you have a plan you're not fully compliant but look here's our plan this is what we've done this is what we plan to do it uh, and we'll make sure we're fully compliant as well protect yourself from the worst case scenario and the worst case scenario is 4% fine based on your turnover and also potential to be uh, for individuals like myself to go to you and try to gain compensation, just like what happened with PPI. And they're saying, as I said, PPI uh, is a drop in the ocean, someone has said, uh, compared to GDPR. So the threat is very real, but at the extent of which, if you're a small company, uh, you're, uh, you're a mafia, and someone's trying to sell you half a million pounds in your database, it's just no. <laughs> just no. Right? Uh, it, it's nonsensical. Do what's right for your business, right? Uh, and do what, what, what makes sense, but protect the people's information the best possible way. That's why I say. And another interesting question is: I always ask interesting questions. Do you like some people are going to be sitting there thinking, "25th of May, I'm a small guy, I'm a small business, one man team, one man army. They're not going to come after me. I've got a bit of time. You know, there's so many bigger companies out there. What's your advice to these people?" Um, I tell you, uh, people will be thinking this. You know this, isn't it? No, no, no. I, I, I laugh because um, slightly off topic. Uh, it's not funny because it's people's livelihood. I'm from Cardiff, and um, 
you know, uh, you see with what's going on in the media, and they say, you know, we should be tackling um, tax avoidance companies and big, you know, multi-million pound companies and how they're avoiding millions of pounds of tax. Now, who does a tax man come after? Well, they do go after the multinational, of course, but they also go after the small businesses as well. Yeah. They go after, you know, the small takeaways, right? And what happens is, unfortunately, uh, well, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, whatever your, your thought process is on this, is the little takeaway down the road gets investigated by the HMRC, and they think, oh, hold on, I, uh, I'll just be investigated, I'll now be have to pay this huge fine, <coughs> I'm going to start pointing fingers elsewhere. The HMS, HMRC will start knocking on the doors, and that's what's happened a lot, <coughs> particularly in Cardiff when it comes to VAT. And people start pointing fingers. Now, if you are a small one-man band, right, as my uncle is uh, in his uh, little takeaway business, right, and you were to be investigated by the ICO, would it not make sense to have a plan in place sure. that at minimum your, your process was in place as well uh, and a plan to say this is what you do to get the fine? <coughs> I would advise it. Because eventually people will start pointing fingers according to human nature. If I've been fined 4% or 2% or whatever it may be, people start having a conversation, well, I know everyone else is doing it, so I'm going to start pointing the finger. Now, from an ICO perspective, <coughs> investigating a big organization like, let's say, Barclays will take time, a lot of resources. So if I go to the one-man band and say, give me all your processes in a single document, uh, you know, tell me, show me your data subject access request process, Sorry, I don't have anything. Okay, well, you're aware of the regulation. Here's a fine. That could theoretically potentially happen. And is it worth taking that risk? I don't think it is. Same with VAT for you. just shouldn't do it because you're going to get caught. And the same thing will happen. It may not happen on the 26th of May, but it's going to happen. People are, you're just seeing it on the news. More and more people are becoming aware that the new form of currency is their personal information. You know, arguably you could say that elections, whether the whether, whether you believe it or not, uh, the Brexit vote, the US presidential election, all of that stuff came from personal information, information you have, information that's on your Facebook page, your Twitter account, you know, your bank details, you know, your name, email address, date of birth. That is a new form of currency. And marketers are obviously aware of that. And a data subject individual like myself will become more and more aware of it and start pushing companies to stop you know, using information in a way that they don't feel comfortable. So my advice is have a plan, have the procedures in place, speak to an expert, speak to someone that you've done it, get their take on it, and help to make sure you're going to be compliant as well. Okay. So this is going to affect a lot of businesses. I'm mainly talking about online marketers, but I know... There's quite a few people who follow me who have got small businesses, like offline businesses, who probably get addresses and everything, so they need to get onto this quickly. I, I, I can't stress enough. And again, I know people are like, oh, you know, it's it, it only for uh, the big companies. I have a friend of mine, entrepreneur, who's very welcome to I, I told him about GDPR a year and a half ago, on my second company I was working for. I said, oh, listen, it's just the big companies. He's now come wise to it because his businesses are now going to be impacted because his businesses revolve around personal information. And now he's concerned about it and he's now started taking steps and working with him to make sure he didn't become GDPR compliant. Okay. It's, it's, uh, when people start reading into it, and I see it on your, on your Facebook page where people are now starting to ask questions, this is just the beginning and the reason is because people are now beginning to become aware of it. You know, other... <laughs> even dentists, for example, yeah, they have their own um, associations in place and they provide guidance. And even then, they're now way behind the curve. Even dentists are now beginning to basically uh, begin to look and say, oh, how do we actually make sure that we'll be GDPR compliant? It's fundamental. Good point. Okay. And just to recap, so people need to, um, we'll try to wrap it up. Is there anything else you need to add or? No, I think it comes to the main things. So I would say again, I'll repeat, have your record of processing your Article 30. 
uh, have your data subject access request process in place, whether it is right to access, right to be gotten, right to portability, uh, right to object, or right to be notified. Have those processes documented from start to finish. Uh, update your privacy policies, make sure they're GDPR compliant as well. Make sure that consent uh, is explicit. Uh, make sure that you look at your unstructured data. Uh, I advise, and actually you will need, depending on the amount of personal information you protest, have a data protection officer to be able to answer any of your questions as well. Okay. I think, do you think we've simplified it for everybody? I hope so, but which is why uh, happy to answer again. Happy to uh, for you to basically uh, on your Facebook page and answer any questions okay. that may come through. Happy to have another session uh, with people if you think that's okay. helpful. Whatever works for basically your group. I want to thank you as well for letting me uh, talk to you as well. No problem. Uh, thank you. So I'll put this video in the course reviews online uh, Facebook group, and if anybody's got any questions, they can just. In the comments underneath, post their questions um, about this situation or if they've got a unique situation and you're in the group, if they've got any uh, pers uh, something that they want to discuss in personal, they, are they okay to PM you? No problem whatsoever. Okay, and if it's, a, if it's something that everybody can benefit from, then I would rather say, like, put it in the comments so Ahmed can answer it so other people can see the answers. But if it's something you want information on about your business but you don't want to reveal too much, you can PM him personally. You can find him in the course reviews online, Facebook group, if somebody's listening to this on the podcast, because it goes on, it's going to go on iTunes and uh, Google and Stitcher and everything as well. So you're going to get um, a lot of people listening to this. Hopefully, come back to the group, Coast Reviews Online, and in Facebook, and we'll answer your questions. Thank you very much, Amir. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Um, thank you for answering the questions and simplifying it. I hope people have um, actually um, made sense of it now. Now I'm hoping that from this, and I really, I do, really do appreciate you coming on. I hope people embrace this change from what they've heard and don't be scared let's get it done well, thank you we appreciate it thank you uh, Amir. you take care look after yourself take care Bye. wow plenty of uh, knowledge dropped there thank you uh, again to Amir Khan for um, doing this interview I hope that was um, helpful guys I hope that answered a lot of questions and kind of um, gave you an understanding of what the changes are about what you need to do and hopefully for your business if you want come into the course reviews group if you're already there great you can post questions around this job subject gdpr amir is in the group he's happy to answer them happy to give free advice not a problem hit it up there there'll probably be some of the questions already been answered which will probably help you so that was a great interview that we've got under the belt again now uh, trying to bring you value trying to bring you information trying to bring you the right kind of guidance more to come that was great just before I leave you, finally, a reminder of our initial shout out. If you want a free 14 day trial of ClickFunnels and you want to know what it's all about, what all the fuss is about, remember coastreviewsonline.com forward slash CF. Coastreviewsonline.com forward slash CF. Get your 14 day free trial of ClickFunnels and you can see what the fuss is all about yourself. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Another one to come. Watch out. It might be a review, might be interview, might be a discussion, might be some question answer sessions. It, but what I, one thing I will promise is it will be of value. Adam Ali, take care, stay blessed, look after yourself.